Hello, and welcome to In All of Us Command. I'm Kate. I'm Aaron. And we will be learning about national anthems. Each week, we choose a new country at random, we learn a little bit about the country, and then we listen to their anthem. After listening, we will rate the anthem based on several criteria and see how they all stack up in our humble opinion. We don't want you to think that because of the title, we're huge fans of O Canada. In fact, we plan to dunk on it pretty much constantly throughout the show, and we don't expect it to finish very highly in the rankings at all. So today, uh, it's my week, and we will continue our grand tour of Africa with uh, Ghana. This, I have to admit, right off the bat, I'm I'm a little freaked. There's a lot of information. For sure. But also, like, we have researched a number of countries in the very close vicinity of Ghana. So both of us have an idea roughly of what's going on in that region because we've researched Burkina Faso, we've researched Togo. This is true. This is true. So there is some precedent, but a lot happens. It's a very politically complicated. Absolutely. And like very interesting story. Um, so let's get into it. Let's. So Ghana is old. There's lots of people have lived there for a long time. Um, dating back, we think, to about 10,000 before the Common Era. Uh, it's coastal, so you've got the, the Gulf of Guinea on the southern border, and then Côte d'Ivoire on the west, and Burkina Faso to the north, and Togo to the east. So we've talked so far about Burkina Faso and Togo, Yeah, I believe. Um, early artifacts, th- there's a fair bit here, um, including axes, hoes, hoes? Sorry, I saw that and I thought about like garden hose and then it was spelled wrong and then I was confused. Um, hose like the gardening tool, hose, and quartz beads. Um, so there's, there's some artifacts. Also later, um, pottery and polished stone axes. It seems a lot of things okay. were made of polished stone. Cool. Um, there have been several excavations in the area. Um but it seems from what I was reading, there's still a lot of research to be done and a lot of excavating to be done with regards to the sort of Iron Age. Uh, we haven't found as much as okay. there probably is. Um, and there's it's one of those like scratching the surface kinds of situations. People right. have lived there for such a long time that there is undoubtedly more to be found. Um, and we just haven't got there yet. So originally, when I talk about Ghana as we go forward, I'm, I'm talking more about the people who will eventually inhabit what is modern day Ghana um, as they spend a fair bit of time living outside the borders of what today we consider Ghana. Yeah, and that's certainly where it gets really confusing when we're talking about like landlocked countries that are surrounded by all these other countries. Like when I was yeah. talking about Slovenia, do I talk just about the history of the Slavic peoples, or do I talk about the whole history of this region that is now Slovenia? It's a whole complicated thing, and probably, like, I talked about the region, but you're going to talk about the people here, and probably there's a reason for that. There is. Yeah. (laughs) There is. Um, I I feel, because we were talking yesterday, too, a little bit, about how political and sort of social existence is different in Africa and African countries than Mm -hmm. it is in the West. And so when I read about this stuff, it's, it's quite confusing just because it's outside of what I normally think about and understand. Well, especially if we're talking about like pre Western contact Africa, then which we're going to be for a decent. Exactly. Not only is it a different structure of society, but it's one that's not even remotely informed by the one we are familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. And then I feel bad when Europeans show up and it starts to make more sense for me. And it's I like, no, of course that's it the does. worst part right? of researching. These. I feel terrible, but honestly, when the, I don't know, the Europeans show up and I'm like, Oh, now I maybe can like catch the thread of this <laughs> a little bit better. And I just want to kick myself because it's awful. But anyways, it's research we're on it. and we're working on it. That's all we can do. So um, the original 
territory was sort of to the northwest of the current borders and likely did not include what is now considered Ghana. Okay. Um, so we're, we're outside, but anyways, we'll get there. Um, and then over the last 600 years or so, people migrated south and then we run into a bit of a thing because there are a number of oral histories that go back to, I believe, even the 14th century. Um, but scientists and archaeologists have had trouble sort of corroborating what happens in the oral histories with the actual artifacts that have been found. Um, and of course, this is like kind of to be expected mm-hmm. if no one was writing it down and there's going to be stuff and we have to date the stuff and assume we're doing that correctly and then also oral histories can change and evolve um so the the figuring out of those things can be a little bit complicated um ghana however was a major sort of trade area pre-european contact um, mostly because there is a large amount of gold and also some people were interested in cola nuts i don't really know what cola nuts are do you know that Not really. We'll look into it over the break. I'll write it down here. Okay. Um, And this created a really fascinating and rich kind of cross-pollination of ideas um, between sort of northern Islamic nations and and the western Sudan peoples. Okay. um, Sort of migrating through. Most of the settlements that are exist in the modern day were sort of first established in the 13th century. Um, this is, however, a very nonlinear process involving people from all over coming through, sure. conquering other people, absorbing other groups of people, picking up stragglers as they go along. Yeah. It's a whole, a whole thing. And I'm sure some people have studied this. Those people are not me. Um, but that's kind of how the, the main populations kind of come to settle um, in the areas that are now mostly populated i believe it's it's more populous towards the coast as many coastal places are um i think partly for this reason and also because the europeans are about to get involved and that's gonna be fun always it's gonna be fun so trade with europe begins in the 15th century uh, mainly with the portuguese who are attracted that's quite early actually it is pretty early it it was a big trading stronghold okay um certainly it makes sense from a geographical standpoint yes yes it does um it is partly the geography and also they had all this gold and people as we know tend to get very excited when there is a lot of gold Um, yeah and if there's a ton of gold and it's just one of the easiest places at least what i can picture in my head it has to be one of the easiest places to sail from like africa to europe yes uh yeah, that's that's just a perfect cocktail for a lot of trade really early on. Yeah, so everyone shows up to the party. Um, the main export is gold, gaining it the name of the Gold Coast, um, by yeah, which Ghana is... That's, that's definitely something I ran into in my research of Togo. Yes, so that was basically what Ghana was called until independence, um, when they dropped the name and changed yes, it to Ghana. Uh, because part the British Togo would then become part of the Gold Coast colony and then yes. eventually part of Ghana. Yes, they, yes, they are. <laughs> yes. They are going to it. do that. Um, so, so then the Portuguese start to lose their grip a little bit, and that just kind of opens the door for the Netherlands, England, Denmark, Sweden, and Prussia to all just jump right in there, because um, isn't that what everybody wants? Yeah. Um, Team Africa coming to the rescue. Yeah, so they're they're having a with, grand with no African people on the team, which should tell you something. Yes, yes. So they're having a grand old time um, exporting their gold, and then later their slaves. Yeah, and this sucks. But Ghana is a major um, slave port. Yeah, which that that whole region yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. So. Nobody likes that, but anyway, here we go. Um, the coast then is is peppered with European kind of merchant forts and is a pretty big sort of stronghold. 
So it's still not like with the Portuguese out of there. It's really not under anyone's control per se right now. I believe the British and the Dutch had the biggest kind of footholds there. Yeah. Um, with England, we're going to get to this eventually taking over, but okay. I, I don't think it was like on paper, anybody's yeah, yeah. in particular. Um, the, there is then kind of a shift in power again towards the, the South and also the rise of, um, what's known as the Asante empire. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Okay. There's a couple of alternate spellings. Yeah. Um, I, I've found that a lot. So my apologies if I'm saying this wrong. Um, sorry, I got a hair in my mouth. Um, so the Asante take over the northern areas and then start attacking the coastal forts. Um, but this is kind of a complicated thing also because many of the Ghanaian people who lived in the southern areas where the European forts were had started to kind of adopt European ways of life and had kind of gotten used to it. Right. So they were pretty freaked when the Asante started pummeling them. Um, and they kind of retreated to the forts as places of sort of trust and safety. Um, then there is a decline in the slave trade and also in the gold trade. So the two main things that are kind of keeping Ghana, like making it a desirable place, start to kind of trickle off. Right. Um, the British then establish a protectorate over the nearby Fanti people. Again, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, and the British colonial office takes over the forts, which I guess previously it wasn't the colonial office. Maybe it was the military. I'm not okay. totally clear on this. Um, maybe it's more sort of administrative and less just about trade. I've found to, um, in reading a bit about sort of the French Empire uh, for one of my episodes, I, I learned that there was a lot of, like, name changes and official sort of subdivisions of all of these things that we don't really learn about in history either. Mm -hmm. So, like, we know that Britain and France had empires all across the world, but then I was learning about how, like, the French Empire became the French Union or something. Yeah. The names changed and the organization changes. And there are some nuances to, like, who, what division of the British are in charge. But certainly I'm yeah. not an expert on that. And I want to say also that maybe, this sucks too, but maybe because it's Africa, even the British don't care that much. It's like, well... It's just Africa, so what does it matter? I, I think just as much in the other direction, yeah. like, because it's the British, the Africans probably don't care that much. No, that's it's, also... It's probably a bit of tomato-tomato. <laughs> that's probably true as well. Um, anybody, if you know about this, weigh in. Um, so then the British take it upon themselves to buy out the Danes, uh, sort of taking over their forts and yeah. main areas, um, trade, though, still not going that well. We're seeing, the, again, the considerable decline of the slave and gold trade. Um, then the Fanti people sort of make a bid for independence from Britain um, and also from the Asante. It's kind of going to be important, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but England, of course, is like, no, sorry, that's, that's not going to happen. You're not getting out of this that easy. Um, and then England kind of realizes they're on sort of shaky ground and they launch what I saw as being kind of a half-assed conquest into Asante territory. Okay. Um, after the Dutch have sort of ditched out. Um, and this doesn't go that well. And all they did was take the Asante capital at this time. Right. Um, which I think is maybe worth noting that the British had a loss or didn't things didn't go as planned like what for them. year is it right now okay so this is um the early to mid 1800s okay i believe okay i didn't write down a date that's okay but this next thing that happens is in 1874 perfect okay so the gold coast is declared a british colony in 1874 um but the asante are still outside of the borders of the colony. Right. Um, so it kind of stops and then the Asante continue on. 
Um, however, over the next 20 to 30 years, um, the Asante are eventually conquered and made a British, excuse me, a British protectorate, um, including the part of former Togoland. Um, yes. That at this point makes its way kind of into what will be Ghana. Yeah, and I think it was for a brief period like its own thing as British Togoland and it was. then made its way into Ghana. It was. Yeah. Um, they have, they sort of decide to attach themselves. Um, then Kakeo is introduced in, 18, in the 1870s um, and really takes off from here through the 1900s, okay. becoming their main export today as well. Um, this carries on into the modern day. Um, interestingly, and I was, I thought this was funny because I, I read that cacao was a big export and I immediately figured there must be a lot of chocolate coming out of Ghana. And I got really excited that we'd get to maybe order some <laughs> Ghanaian chocolate and yeah. eat it. And I like anything to do with chocolate and who doesn't. Um, but, but they kind of don't make chocolate over there. They just export the cocoa. Oh, export the, the beans themselves. Yes. Okay. Yes. This, however, is very confusing a little bit because I Googled it and there is a Japanese chocolate company called Ghana, which I oh. saw. And I was like, what? So it's this chocolate bar that says Ghana. And if you Google it, it's all these like Japanese models holding these chocolate bars. And I was like, what now? It's true though. Like if you take a bunch of Ghanaian cacao beans mm. and send them to Japan and process them and turn them into chocolate. Is that Japanese chocolate or is that Ghanaian chocolate? I'm pretty sure it's Japanese chocolate, at least okay. in the way that we are talking about here. Yeah. Um, but the name is actually a tribute to the beans coming from sure, sure, Ghana yeah. and a sort of nod to the large presence that Ghana has in cacao exports. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was just kind of a cool, weird thing that I wanted to say now and not say for the fun facts. Um, so this, the cacao production, um, allows for a huge economic boost and they build a lot of railways and roads and educational facilities and universities. Um, there is notable participation in world war two as Ghana contributes a fair number of people and also materials. Um, but there were also at this time riots sparked by, the fact that there was a, a sort of lack of political advancement to keep up with the sort of social and economic growth. Okay. So the economy is booming. Um, people are overall doing pretty well, but politically they're lagging. The government and government reform hasn't kind of kept up. Um, and there's still also a colony at this point. So there's a recognition that they need to overhaul the constitution and the government um, there's also at this time a fair bit of pushback against colonial rule, um, and they eventually actually establish an all-American, American? I'm sorry, African. Good grief. I was so confused for a second. It's just that you hear all-American so much, and it all I started I was getting ready a, to jot down some I, questions. <laughs> I bet you were. I'd have questions about that, too. Um, an all-African cabinet. Cool. Now we're going to meet a very important person. By the name of, again, sorry in advance, um, Kwame Nkrumah, who is an important politician at the time, okay, um, and is very much responsible for leading Ghana through their independence and actually making it the first African country to do so in 1957. So oh, cool. when we've been learning about these different African countries and all of them sort of getting their independence around like this 1950s, 1960s. Mark, it is largely sort of kicked off by Ghana okay. being the first ones to kind of forge on through and, yeah. and get their independence. Um, then, and it'll be interesting yeah. to, like, certainly in the European conquest of Africa, they, they certainly took over most of it, but I believe it was Ethiopia that stayed independent through all of it. So it'll be interesting oh, wow. to see how that, that sort of interacts. Yeah. Cool. Uh, there, there was, I believe, roughly ten percent of Africa that stayed unconquered. Huh. I don't know because again, we maybe never... not forever. Maybe I'm making this up. Maybe just through that general no, conquest still. period. Still, because I never really thought about it. And again, we don't really learn this stuff in school. But I, I think I just sort of assumed that all of Africa had been colonized. 
Interesting. Okay. Certainly, like, we make fun of people who talk, who think Africa is a country, but certainly we are taught about yes. Africa as if it is one large country. Yeah, it is. The The narrative is very much, there is this place, it is called Africa. It is hot there. There There's are zebras and lions. There's lots of they're all exactly the same. There's lots of countries, they're all exactly the same. And <laughs> moving on to whatever comes next. To Europe. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of countries, they're all very different. Yeah, and then we talk about field some more questions. We talk about France and England and Germany and all these like big European powers. I'm like, that's fine. But this is, I don't know, this has been really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, we talked, we, I think we talked about Africa in my world history course in high school for like maybe two weeks. It was fun. Um, so, so here we go. Here we go. Where did I get to? Um, we're talking about independence. We're talking about right. British Togoland that integrates with the gold coast. Um, we were just uh, learning about the politician who is leading us through independence. Yes, he unfort. Okay, so I thought, I thought Nakuma was going to be a big like human rights champion, and he kind of starts out that way, and then it takes a turn. Um, I'm just going to mention that at this point, Ghana gets its independence in 1957 and renames itself officially um, from the Gold Coast. Right so, away at independence? Yes. Okay. Yes, that is the occasion of the renaming. We will not talk about the Gold Coast anymore. Um, so Nakuma, unfortunately, at this point gets a little power happy. Um, right. He's in charge of a brand new country and becomes, sort of names himself the lifelong leader of the one political party and is also, and also the like leader of the of Ghana for the rest of his life, essentially. And also is simultaneously kind of trying to establish a socialist society. Okay. Uh, it's confusing. I don't fully know how he was trying to do all these things right. at once, or if he was trying to, like if the power happy was a little bit on the DL and the rest of it was at the forefront. I'm not, I don't think it was that subtle though. Yeah. I think people were pretty clear on what was happening. So, um, Around 1966, the government at this point is pretty corrupt and in debt, and Ghana's people obviously are suffering for it. Um, Nkrumah takes a trip to Beijing, and while he is away, uh, the police and the army stage a coup. And this is kind of the beginning of many coups in Ghana, um, but we, we will talk about this one first. The government is then overhauled, and their new leader, Lieutenant General Joseph A. Ankara, uh, fails to establish a democracy. In 1969, Ankwasi Amenkwa Afrifa, I'm so sorry, takes over and kind of tries again. Mm-hmm. Uh, then election, an election is held, and the Progress Party, led by Kofi Busia, this is a very confusing sentence that I've written. I'm sorry. Kofi Busia leads the party and is then elected. Okay. Um, he previously had stood against Nkrumah, which, again, I thought was going to be a good thing, but then I think it doesn't go so great for him either. Um, and then at this point, Edward Akufo Addo is named president. It is one of those situations where they have both a Prime, a Prime Minister, Minister and, and a president, president. Yeah. which again I did not realize was so common. It's very common. until I started <laughs> doing this podcast. And it's like, oh, everybody does this, and in fact, we're the weird ones. Yeah, with our one Prime Minister and well, no and president. And the states with their one president. And, and the no states Prime with their Minister. one president, and then we have, I guess, some other people. There's a Governor General and stuff, but we're, we'll not get into that now. Um, in 1972, there is another military coup, which. Again, doesn't work out great. Um, this is an unbelievably turbulent period. It's unbelievably turbulent. And I'm not even like scratching the surface here. Yeah. This is like the Coles notes of the Coles notes of the Coles notes <laughs> version. And I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff. And <laughs> I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do a play by play of every yeah. political coup that takes place. Um, basically the military try and take over and it's very strict and they're trying to imprison people for all kinds of stuff all the time. And people don't like that very much. 
So then this other person, Jerry Rawlings, emerges sort of at the forefront of Ghanaian political reform um, and makes also some economic reforms that lead to eventual economic growth. So for once, we're seeing a little uptick in the economy and kind of standards of living. Rawlings is reelected in 1992 and 1996. Um, but, and like things are going better, but he's a little bit more authoritarian mm -hmm. than I think some people were looking for. And so people have been critical of right. him for that. Like he made it happen, but it wasn't done maybe in a great way. It's pretty conservative and sort of cracking down. Yeah. Then Rawlings steps down in 2001 and is replaced by John Agricum Kufur in what is called the, quote, first peaceful transfer of power between democratically elected governments since independence in 1957. Jesus. So it happened, but it didn't happen it until 2001. What, 44 years? Yeah. It was oh a long God. period of high, high turbulence. And many changes. And I'm going to stop talking about modern politics here because I thought this was an appropriate place yeah. to just to end this yeah, conversation. So usually once we're talking about <laughs> dates that start with twos, I'm like, I can probably stop talking anytime now. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind <laughs> of what like I could go on. More stuff happened. <laughs> but um I, I have now exhausted my, my knowledge and research of Ghana's political stage. Holy shit, that, that period after independence, that's insane. It's really something. And I think maybe partly because they were first. Yeah. There's no precedent. There's no blueprint. Um, yeah, so it was just kind of chaos. Well, none of these countries were given an easy road no or were absolutely not circumstances they were to succeed all thoroughly fucked and then left to just like figure it out yeah um which like good get the hell out it, it's good that they left eventually but, but yeah oh it's just it's been a whole thing um but <laughs> it seems in in the small research that I did, that Ghanaian people are very proud of their country and their heritage, um, and so it it has not been in vain. Um, Good. Yes, yes. It's <laughs> it's overall not so bad. Maybe. <laughs> um, fun facts. Hit me. Fun facts. Um, so because of the large European presence in Ghana, um, you can still see many European style castles uh, oh, sort interesting. Of along the coast. It's a big tourist attraction um, and a thing that I'm kind of like, that's like, that's neat. Yeah, that's I didn't really of, think there were any European style castles in Africa. There are European style <laughs> castles in Africa. Um, and I think that's just very cool and really speaks to the sort of crossing and merging of cultures yeah maybe you um, could find a uh, picture or two for the show notes i'm sure i could i'm sure i could and i think too because they're they're old like we have Casaloma here but this stuff was built in like the let's not talk about Casaloma no. in the same <laughs> sentence as real castles we won't we won't but when i was a kid i thought it was a real castle <laughs> until i saw a real castle and i was like oh this was built in like 1400 and something that makes more and sense not in toronto and not in toronto so these are castles like legit castles kind of built in the actual medieval times yeah yeah um Major sports in Ghana include soccer and boxing. Um, in my anthem search, I found many, many, many um, soccer anthems. Certainly that's been the sports game that yes. you find the most searching for these. For you sure. find a lot of soccer games. And it was, I think, only Samoa that I found a lot of rugby games. Because I think yes. that's just really big across the whole Pacific. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought this was kind of fun. Their national men's soccer team is called the Black Stars after the star featured on the flag. Oh, cool. It's like three stripes. 
and then a black star in the in the middle, which I thought was neat. Um, and their under twenty team is called the Black Satellites, <laughs> which I thought was kind of cool too. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, uh, they won the African Cup of Nations four times, and okay. I don't I don't know anything about soccer, but also uh, the FIFA Under Twenty World Cup. That's a thing, right? I, I guess if you read about it. Okay, I read about it. <laughs> it wasn't a super legit source, but anyway, I read about it. Um, they won that one time. Cool. Also, I thought this was neat. Um, they competed in the Winter Olympics for the first time in 2010 in Vancouver um, in nice. slalom skiing. Oh, cool. How'd they do? I don't think they placed. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Like Probably the, most countries don't place their first time yeah, in any sport. No, yeah. no. Um, but but it seems it was an important um, sort of headway for black slalom skiers. Cool. Yeah, which I thought was neat and not something I think about. Mostly I think about things like, you know, hockey being kind of a white man's gig. Slalom skiing is cool as hell. Too. Right? It's slalom skiing. And there are like some Olympic sports where it's like, I can't watch this. It's so boring and repetitive. But... Slalom skiing is exciting. Oh, it's wild. It's, it's so, so fast. It does not beat the bobsled for me. Or the luge. Or the luge. They're so scary. Oh my God, you watch those. <laughs> like my heart and my mouth just thinking about it. Um, but but slalom skiing, still very cool. Um, and it's so cute. I saw a picture of the their team, you know, when they called them all in at the opening ceremonies. Yeah. There's like four of them. <laughs> it's, it's just, it was lovely. Nice. Um, and... Then I thought this was cool. Um, the coat of arms has on it a lion and a bird called a tawny eagle. Okay. Which are pr- like pretty scary looking and quite majestic. I saw a photo of one. It was cool. Are they the national bird or? I don't actually know. Okay. But probably. Probably. Is my sure. guess. It would make sense that they were. <laughs> I can look that up for you at the intermission. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then I also just wanted to mention that Ghana is kind of famous also for its great natural beauty, um, nice beaches, rivers, waterfalls. Um, mainly, it seems people, tourists who go there are mainly looking for the sort of natural landscape and such, and also those castles that I mentioned before. Right. Yeah. That's all I have for fun facts. Okay. Uh, I've got uh, just a couple questions for you for yeah. the break here. Go ahead. Uh, so as we mentioned earlier, there's the the cola nuts. We wanted to look into sort of the significance yes. of those. Yes. Um, really, my main question for you is um, that first leader at independence, mm-hmm. the, the first coup was launched against him when he had gone on a trip to Beijing. Yes. And my question is... Why did he do that in the middle of this super turbulent period? Like, did he go to Beijing and stay there to avoid being killed in the Mm. coup? Did he ever go back to Ghana? I'm just a little curious about the details of what happened there. That's a good question. I would like to know that as well. We will look into it. All right. Um, I was also just going to talk about the food briefly. Oh, yes, of course. Before we leave. Um, So today... Okay, I was researching the food a little bit. You were helping me. Mm-hmm. And we have ended up in a bit of like an African stew rut. Well, not to mention there's like we're back into a place where there's a lot of ingredients we can't get. There's a yes. lot of like cassava and um, the food we keep seeing in this region is fufu. And we just... So much fufu. We can't make fufu. We don't have... The, maybe you can get the stuff to make fufu. Uh, maybe you can get it right around the corner. But if you can, we don't know about it. I don't trust myself to make fufu. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. So today we're going to be making fried plantain, which I'm feeling actually pretty confident about because I have made fl- fried plantain previously. Yeah. I had a roommate in school who made it and it was delicious and she taught me. Um I know it's a a favorite of yours. You have made it for me in the past. Yes, it's very tasty. We're going to have it with cinnamon and sugar. Um, My roommate was not Ghanaian, but she was from... I forget, South America, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, we're going to do that. We're going to answer your questions. And then we will be back to talk about the anthem, God Bless Our Homeland Ghana. Sounds great. Okay.
Welcome back. Uh, today we are talking about Ghana's national anthem, um, God Bless Our Homeland Ghana. And so we did that. We ate some plantain. I have some answers to some questions. First, I think I'd like to address the plantain. Yeah. Which I felt was a little bit lackluster. I mean, I I do think, like we were saying, I think this was the individual plantain's I agree. fault. You've made uh, it I, yeah. for me like this exact recipe you've made for me before, and it's been delicious. I so. know. Uh, yeah, I think this was the plantain's fault. Yeah, I agree. Plus, it needed more sugar and cinnamon. That's just, It did need a little bit, yeah. That's just the truth. But, um, yeah. So, a little bit of a disappointment there, but I know it's good. I've had it before, and it's been good. <laughs> we both like fried plantain. This was just not the best fried plantain. So, today had. was an off day for plantain. Sorry, plantains. Um, let me answer your questions. Sure, From previously. Do. So, we had we had three questions going into this. Um, I'm going to address them out of order. First, I'm going to talk about um, Nkrumah and the Beijing trip. Okay. Because this is sort of the juiciest. um, Right. And and I wanted to get into it. So I found an article um, in the African Exponent, which is, I guess, a paper and also an online paper. Okay. um, That seemed fairly reputable. Okay. Um, So it seems that Nkrumah was going to go to Beijing anyways. Mm -hmm. That was already... Planned, it was a diplomatic trip um, to visit the Chinese premier Zhu Enlai at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems they had they had a, a friendship and it was just a... Just a coincidence or maybe the coup just took advantage of the fact that he was gone. The coup took advantage of the fact that he was gone for sure. It seems that he kind of, he left, the coup happened. It's 1966, so no one has Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't know, but... But because of the communication chains, Enlai knew. Right. So then this Chinese premier had to break the news. Oh, shit. To um, Nkrumah when he was, as he was there, um, which is not maybe the best situation for the Chinese premier, who then allied himself with the new Ghanaian military government oh, shit. <laughs> that, that had cropped up. But it seems didn't like take it out. On Nkrumah. I, so did Nkrumah just stay in China then? He No, he left um, and went instead to Guinea, where the, their leader said they would take him. Okay. So he and went just there. just lived as a refugee there? Or? I think essentially they, yeah. there was there were no details regarding his like status in cool. Guinea, but I'm going to say probably. Yeah. Um, and then it seems he did not go back to Ghana until he was sort of dying in 1972. Okay. He had but been, he did eventually go back. He did at least briefly. Yeah. Um, I don't think for any extended stays sure. or anything like that. Um, it seems he was also quite sick and being treated for an illness, I think, in Romania. Oh, okay. So maybe he went to some other places too? Sure. Yeah. So that's what happened there. Okay. Um, interesting story. Um, oh, also, also there was this too. Um, it seems, at least according to this source, that the CIA were backing up the Ghanaian coup. Right. Yeah, the CIA does that a lot. Yeah. I'm sure we'll we'll see <laughs> so, that more than once. Probably not the first time this is going to happen. Um, so it seems the Americans were involved. Trying to install meddling. their all-American cabinet. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> African cabinet. All African cabinet. Um, Cola nuts. Yeah. Cola nuts are apparently similar to chestnuts. They have that same kind of like fleshy inside. Okay. Um, But they are more sort of oblong shaped. I thought they looked almost like Brazil nuts, but the photo was also quite enlarged. So I guess I'm not sure how they like proportionally how they look compared to Brazil nuts or chestnuts. Um, And incidentally contain caffeine. 
um, and were originally used in the drink Coca-Cola because of naturally occurring caffeine and theobromine. Right. Which I didn't know. Um, I think they are not used anymore. I believe that's right, yeah. But at least at the beginning, that was partly where Coca-Cola got its kick from. Cool. Yeah. So that's kind of a neat thing I didn't know about. I also just like saying cola nut. It rolls off the tongue nicely. Yeah. Cola nut. Okay. Um, Then we were also looking a little bit at tawny eagles. From what I could see briefly, uh, Ghana does not have an official national bird. Okay. But it's featured on the coat of arms, so I'm going to say... probably as close as we're getting. Probably as close as it's going to be for a national bird. Um, They are primarily found in Africa. They like deserts and arid spaces. Cool. And they are chiefly scavenger birds. Uh, they tend to sort of swoop in on the leftover carcasses right. that other animals have left behind, but they also eat small birds and animals. Okay. And they have that like very distinctive bird of prey look, the kind of hooked beak and those eyes that are like, I'm going to get you in the sleep. <laughs> You're not going to see it coming because I swoop silently down. That's how they look. That's, um, wow. <laughs> That's quite a way to look at birds of prey. It's what I always think of when I look at them, but they're also so majestic. Yeah. I think it's because it's got a little bit to me of like the Canada goose or the swan syndrome. Yeah, from like, a distance, I get it more from Canada geese. They feel like they're yeah. all out to get us more than like bald eagles. They are. They are. I feel bald eagles are minding their own business and Canada geese are just going to hiss at anybody who passes. But from a distance, they're quite beautiful. Swans also up yeah. close. It's like, well, you're just a dinosaur. So there's that. Um, I don't know. Birds of prey. They just have that look in their eyes. They're they're looking for something to eat all the time. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but they're also very beautiful. Yeah. I love bald eagles, and I, I know they're the U.S. national bird, but I still think they're cool. Um, so the anthem. The anthem. God bless our homeland, Ghana. Um, we get this one in English, which is kind of nice for us. Yes. Um, it's the first in a little while, I think. It is the first in a little while, but it makes sense because the British had such a stronghold. Yeah there for a long time um so this anthem has gone through a couple of sort of iterations um the first the current lyrics are not the original lyrics and the the switch is a little bit politically charged so originally it was composed by philip gbiho with lyrics by emmanuel papo thompson and this is during nkrumah's time in office so independence happens One guy writes the lyrics, the other guy writes the music. And then I read a couple of sources and I couldn't kind of get anything firm on this, but it seems that the the government also set up a committee to tweak the lyrics. Okay. I guess they were not to the liking, exactly. Did you get the original lyrics? I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page and they're not on here. Yes, they they exist. They exist. Um, I wasn't going to get into it too, too much, but they are more sort of verbose okay. than what we have currently. It's a little bit more of like a rhyming couplet style, um, which honestly is not my favorite thing. Is it a heavy overhaul though? Yes, quite. Yeah. Um, not, not everything, but decently so. Yeah. Um, then, oh yeah, I was going to talk about these guys in who they were a little bit. So Gbiho was a Ghanaian musician and a teacher. Um, and he's the composer, not the lyricist, He right? is, that is correct. He's okay. the, no, he's the composer. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's the composer, yes. Um, and interestingly, he helped establish the Arts Council of Ghana cool. and also conducted the National Symphony Orchestra in Ghana. Oh, that's very cool. I thought was pretty neat and yeah. like pretty high profile for someone writing the National Anthem well, lyrics as we have seen. Certainly there was... Uh, one of the countries we talked about, there was a politician who had written the mm-hmm. anthem, and we said that was cool, but maybe also they were just in Congress, and it was the one guy who like yeah. raised his hand to be like, I took piano <laughs> it's lessons. True. It's so true. I think it's good that they they chose this actual like national artistic mm-hmm. leader, and I don't think that's something we've necessarily seen. No, yet. it's not the default, for sure. Um, and kind of seems like it should be be the most obvious choice but that's really cool that's yeah, really cool i thought so too um and then as far as i can tell emmanuel papo thompson was just the guy who wrote the lyrics you couldn't find as much about him not as much um 
I was hoping, but it yeah. it didn't work out. Hoping it was the poet laureate. Yeah, or some something shit. like that. Yeah. Some, but you can't have everything. It's all right. Um, but what happened was that after the coup and that threw Nakuma out of power, Nakuma, sorry. Yeah. Um, they then had a competition, as many countries have done, um, to revise the lyrics. This competition was won by the Bishop Herman College student Michael Kwame Gbordzo. Gbordzoe. Again, I'm not sure. My sure. apologies. Um, who I also couldn't find a lot of information on besides a LinkedIn page that said that maybe he is a scientist in Germany. Cool. What Good kind of him. scientist remains to be seen? If anybody knows this, or Michael, if you're listening, <laughs> weigh How in. How fucking cool would that be if someone who like, <laughs> actually wrote an anthem listened that w- to this? That would be pretty cool. Maybe we can find him on Twitter or something. And- yeah, bother him until he listens. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, You'll love this bit. Yeah, <laughs> probably, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Um, so that is that is most of the history. Cool that I have for the Ghanaian national anthem, with a little bit of intrigue um, in the middle there. I found the the original lyrics were not I found particularly offensive or anything, but I think they were just kind of trying to wash themselves right, of Nkrumah. A little bit of a clean slate. Yeah, yeah, just like, let's try again. And I wonder also if it loops in with the fact that they got their independence so early compared to other well, African that, countries. Part of what that makes me think, too, is maybe the guy who wrote the lyrics, and if he wasn't, I'm really sorry to, like, slander someone, uh, but maybe he was, like, Nakruma's guy. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, and that's why they wanted to erase that. And there is also the aspect of the government committee weighing in on the lyrics, so maybe they wanted to just get rid of that yeah. added thing. Fair enough. Um, so we listened to a few versions of this. The first being the very kind of classical um, choral version. Uh, yeah, there was like the almost <laughs> uh, almost Enrique Iglesias sort of-esque version. The contemporary one? Yeah. Yeah. Like boy band style but just a solo singer that one was hysterical i loved it funnily enough you say boy band the the thumbnail on youtube is him three times oh yes (laughs) almost as if he is his own band i don't know i hope so um i love this guy on the trumpet yeah, he's fantastic. The, the wild card of the guy on the trumpet was also probably my favorite version. Yeah. That guy was great. Had some some great little ornaments he threw in on the melody that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I really liked that. Um, that was one of the first versions I listened to, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. I love this." Um, and then we can talk maybe afterwards about the fun soccer news. Yeah, and we'll we'll link to that in the show notes as well, just because it's a fun little. Addendum. Fun extra thing I found (laughs) um, that I thought was kind of great. So shall we discuss the lyrics? Yeah. I think these lyrics are good. Uh, If not the best lyrics I've ever seen, I think they have some really good things going on. Uh, I really like that recurring... A bit at the end of the stanzas, like now and forevermore, mm-hmm. where it's a, a call to the future as well. I think that's yeah. a really interesting thing that keeps coming back in the lyrics. Like, this is not just what we're trying to do, but this is what we have to keep trying mm-hmm. to do. And I think that's a really powerful sentiment. I agree. I like the idea that it's not done. Yeah. We haven't reached the conclusion. We It's going to continue to evolve and such i think i agree i think the lyrics are you know fine they're good they're anthem lyrics um they're not maybe like blowing me out of the water yeah in the same way but they seem to work quite well at least in the live performance i felt that it's easy to understand which is is kind of essential uh what do you think about the music we should rate the we lyrics. Should, we should write the lyrics. We should write um, the lyrics. I think I'm going to go for seven for the lyrics. Seven? I think strong, but yeah, not the best I've ever seen. I agree. I agree. I'm going to go eight. Okay. Music. 
The music, I think, is maybe this anthem's biggest weakness. It's not bad, but, like, having listened to it just a few minutes ago, I'm already fuzzy on the Mm. melody. There's no parts I could hum back to you or anything. I... I don't know. I kind of, I agree with you in that it doesn't stick in the head super well, but it kind of like gets me in a mood when I listen to it. It, yeah, it gives me, I wasn't offended by it. No, no, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, I didn't get the sense that you were. Um, but when I listen to it, it does give me a little like, yeah, yeah, this is good. (laughs) So I think I, I take no issue with it. I think it's certainly not, the worst um love that guy on the trumpet it yeah. is clearly an anthem you can do some things with that's fair which yeah. is kind of nice and um, that's that's definitely something we've given points for in the past it is it is when we've seen just cool interpretations and arrangements of an anthem so i don't know for me i think i'm gonna put the music around seven okay i think i'm probably gonna go for a six for the music okay whoops typing there we go uh background i thought the background is pretty interesting on yeah this one. i do think there's some really good things to the background here um definitely a little more information than we've had on some of them even if there are some holes in it i i do think it's really cool that someone who was an artistic leader, like within the framework mm-hmm. of, of the national structure, like they were leading the national orchestra. Um, I think that's really cool that they were the one chosen to yeah. write the music. Yeah, I think so too. And I hope there's a couple other countries that did that too. Cause that's, that's just a really great idea in my head. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that the lyrics were changed. I think, I wish we knew a little bit more about the motivations behind all that. The sources I had on this were pretty sketchy. Yeah. Looking. Um, That's often the case when it comes to the anthem research is like, yeah. you got to lower the bar a good two or three notches <laughs> for what counts as good research. And you're forced to kind of corroborate between like three very bad sources. And yeah. You're like, well, these are all mostly all saying these the same bad thing, sources so. agree. So <laughs> that's about equivalent to one good yeah. source. It's like, that's something. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think the background on this I thought was pretty cool. I'm going to go eight. Yeah, I'm going to go seven and a half. Okay. And significance. I, I felt think there's some here. Yes, I feel there is there is some. They are definitely, you know, discussing their history in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I think it could be more. Since Ghana is a place that has, like, seen some stuff. It's true, but I don't think an anthem necessarily needs to be, like, a rumination on the worst points in a nation's history. That's true. Okay, I think Or even necessarily should be that. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe because we did Guyana, or because I did Guyana first. Yeah. And their anthem was very much about the past. I have this in my head now. Well, <laughs> that's how it needs to be. I don't think this anthem isn't about the past just because it's not specifically no. referencing the worst things that have happened in Ghana. Like, that is true also. Other nations did unspeakable things to the Ghanaian people. Yes. Yes. And that should be remembered, but it, I don't think it necessarily needs to be a part of what the Ghanaians sing to themselves. No, it's true, and it would be weird if your anthem if everybody's anthem was just a play-by-play of all the terrible stuff that had happened um yeah okay i think i think you make some good points i think also you're right that it is maybe more about looking forward than looking back and it also doesn't completely sweep it under the rug for me like there are shout outs to resisting oppressors rule etc yes this is true this is true um i like that they uh, having learned from you earlier that the black star is a really important symbol to Ghana, I mm. like that that gets a shout out in the third verse. Yeah. Yeah. We often, in the versions, as I was saying to you earlier, hear 
just the first verse. Um, so I think it's nice that in some of them we get um, all three. Yeah. All three. And... Yeah, I think for me, actually, significance yeah. might be this anthem's biggest strength. It's true. The more I look at it, the I try not to think about this stuff too much before we sit down to talk about it. It's better to get it all out when we can hash it out together. It is. It is. Um, so, yeah, I think the more we're talking, and also the more I look at this second verse here, um, the more I agree with you that it is really the strong point. So I think I'm actually going to go about uh, eight and a half on my rating here. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to join you at eight and a half. X Factor. This does not have as much X Factor for me. It doesn't have a lot of X Factor, and I kind of wish it had more. I do too. It's kind of almost there, I feel. I feel like all the pieces are kind of there, but... It's not greater than the sum of its parts for me. No. You know what has X Factor, though? Is those dudes singing at their soccer oh, game. absolutely. But we can't count that for I the know. Anthem. I know, but I would just like to say <laughs> that has X Factor. For X Factor, I think I'm going to go four and a half. Okay. Might be a little harsh. That's too bad. That's I have to bad. say what's in my heart. No, it's all good. Um, I was going to say six... I feel like maybe that's a little bit high, but it's what I was going to say, and I don't want to be... Say what's in your heart. <laughs> Sixes are in my heart, everybody. <laughs> okay. So let's, uh, before we get on to... Uh, actually, let's let's take a quick second and total this up, and then we will talk about these, these soccer dudes. Let's keep building this suspense. Fuck it. Yes, let's. Fifty-six is our total. That's a little lower than I thought. It's very, actually. very middle of the road. Yeah, I yeah. thought we were going to come out a little bit higher than that with uh, the scores we had given. I did too. I did too. But the math doesn't lie. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, before we go on to the football, guys, I just want to say... Um, <laughs> countries that most fucked Ghana, England, England. Holland... Yeah. Yeah. I had a second when I was writing my notes earlier where I couldn't remember. Because, you know, Dutch people are from Holland. That always, like... Yeah, it just, always trips me out. It's just a little, like, eh, in my brain yeah. when I do it. So I, I figured it out. I figured it out. England and Holland, this one's for you. Um, all right, the football guys. The football guys. Let's finally let them off the hook. So <laughs> it's this French news report where these reporters are talking about the arrival of the Ghanaian soccer team mm-hmm. and how they enter the building singing this awesome song. And they're so good. And they're clearly like so excited. And I don't know if they like just got off a plane or something, which maybe they did. I don't know, but, but they're just hyping up the team and it's great. They're in they such are. good spirits. They are. And they're like good too. Yeah, they're, they are. They're good singers. They're good singers. And then there's those two kind of bored guys at the back who are like, and <laughs> we're here too, I guess. But I thought it was great. I, in my YouTube travels, um, it seems that this is not the only time that the Ghanaian team shows up okay. singing. This seems to be semi-regular. Um, there were a couple of other videos. I don't know if it was the same team, maybe other soccer teams. It all seemed to be soccer games, though, um, where they show up singing. There seemed to also be some, I didn't watch them, though, of the team actually on the pitch singing to the other team, okay. I think. Um, this maybe warrants a deeper YouTube dive, but uh, it seems there you have a bit of a reputation as a singing soccer team, which I think is really great. We will uh, have a link to that one in the show notes as well. Yes. Um so we've talked about all of that. I have said everything I wanted to say. Shall we roll the dice and see what's happening in two weeks? Let's do it. Let's uh, see what the giant 206-sided dice is telling us this week. All right. I think there's a possibility we have just rolled our first double. Okay, hit me. Uh, I think this is maybe the same number I just rolled last week, okay. but the giant dice has told me 195. 195. That gives me 
Okay, we're close. Close. We're close. Last week, you rolled 201. 201. 195 is the United Arab Emirates. Oh, I thought for a second you got the states. <laughs> no. The one below it is the United Kingdom, which and the one below that is the United okay. States. So The United Arab Emirates. All right. I don't fully know where that is. Somewhere in the Middle East, I would imagine. Right. But this one, at least I have heard of. Yes. So this should be fun. Yeah. Uh, tune in next week for Vatican City with Aaron. Yes. And in two weeks, uh, United Arab Emirates with me. Did we get something very wrong? Did we skip an entire part of the story that's worth mentioning? That's very likely, and we'd love to hear the correct version. Please tweet us at IAOUC podcast or send us an email at inallofuscommandpodcast at gmail.com. We record these episodes a bit in advance, so you may not hear a correction right away, but we're not too big to admit we are wrong and it will be corrected.